My soda stream oh, didn't work. Fizzy. That fizzy sounded good though. Who was that? I think maybe that was that was me. That was that was the claw. Oh my god, the white claw, that's right. I was trying to I had a soda stream and it didn't work, so it's just water. (laughs) 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 Oh I'm sorry, Janine. Oh that was Um (laughs) I had to I had to get I had to get the claw. It was like an impulse purchase when Tom and I did the last stage of our um our self uh, distance or social distancing, self isolation shopping. This morning we went to the the liquor store on Sheridan, and on the way there, like right before we left, I had seen several pictures of friends who were posting on Instagram, like selfies of them sitting with their feet up holding a white claw, and that was their social distancing. <laughs> I was like, you know what? That's there's something about that that's just funny to me. And then I got there, and they had a 12 pack of ruby grapefruit white claw. So I am drinking Ooh. a pamplemousse white claw. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> oh my god. You know what? The other thing is I thought, well, it's water uh, and <laughs> low alcohol. It's good for you. What you're saying it is, is it's a health drink. It is. Well, and it's it's a low percentage of alcohol and it's relatively low in calories. So oh. if I'm stuck here, uh, especially if I end up having to also be on heavy doses of cold medicine, mm-hmm. then I can just have my little 5% alcohol with water and can justify continuing to drink in a difficult situation. Hmm. Um, I have a random thing because I was like logging into Slack because I'm also uh-huh. using that as our po- uh, coping mechanism. It says yeah. we're almost out of space. Oh, oh, no. That happens all the time. It's, oh, I mean, it? we, that's... Ha- it just uh, means, um, not for new users, for old messages. Like, oh. it'll store like 20,000 messages right. and then it... And just starts deleting away. old ones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is fine. fine. I mean, yeah. we just chat, you know, it's like, this is, we don't need an archived history of the Podlander Slack. Although <laughs> who knows what fucking archived history we were going to need after all this shit. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Although maybe, yeah, maybe it's good that they're not keeping this. I'm not sure anybody needs to know some of the shit we talk about. in the <laughs> That might be true too. Cause yeah. I don't know when people are applying for jobs or, you know, I'm, I'm trying yeah. to make us a little bit more important than we actually are. So maybe I should just back <laughs> off. I mean, I would love the cultural history, but also mm-hmm. you never know. I always feel like somebody's watching me That's and I get cool. no privacy. All right. Welcome to Podland and Broadcast, an Outlander podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Julie. That's Janine. Hey. And we are recording remotely. The last time we tried this, it went <laughs> very poorly. Tets up. Uh, but I'm thinking this time it'll be a little bit better. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm plugged directly into my Ethernet. Like, I've got yeah. a blue Ethernet cable plugged into my laptop, so it will not be on me this time. So this is us demonstrating for all of you that we will, in fact, find a way to keep recording, despite the fact that we are all within a mile of each other. <laughs> In our individual homes, <laughs> um, because we are responsible, because mm-hmm. we are civically minded, and we are doing our best to hashtag flatten the curve. And uh, because we have the privilege to be able to hashtag yes. flatten the curve. Yes. So if you, we're, we're going to try very hard to not be serious in these dark times. We're here just to like give you some yucks and to yell jokes about dick. So mostly <laughs> we're going to be doing that. However, ah, if you are in a position to help hashtag flatten the curve. Please stay home as much as possible. We will be doing our part by also doing that and also by by churning out some piping hot jokes about dick content uh, just for you. So um, oh, let's try to 
protect the most vulnerable people in our society for as long as we can and slow the spread of this virus um, so, so that, that people hospitals in hospitals don't get overwhelmed. Spread. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and if that means that I have to sit at, on my couch and sip a nice cold Pamplemousse White Claw. Oh, God. <laughs> then that's what I have to do. That's that's my duty. That's yeah. me mm-hmm. being responsible. Uh, what if somehow, uh, out of all of the alcohol that we've talked about on the show, what if this is the one where in three days I get an email from White Claw that's like, hey, we'd be interested in sponsoring your podcast. <laughs> I will take White Claw's money without hesitation. <laughs> well, yeah. but would you take White Claw's White Claw? Well, I mean, it's not necessarily a visual medium, so any can I open could be a can of White Claw as far as they know. Oh, I mean, here's the thing. I've tried a lot of these seltzers because it was all anybody wanted to talk about last year, Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's the best one, for sure. I remember when, Allison, you and I, Janine, were you at that party too? Which one? Brooke's friend... Um, Jennifer, do you remember oh, that? I don't think so. No. Well, anyway, there were various flavors of White Claw there. It was a summer party, oh, and no. she had like a rooftop thing, so we were all outside, and it was beautiful. Oh, I do remember that, yeah. Yeah, and there were uh, shit tons of White Claw, so I was like, fuck this, I'm not going to be an asshole old person about this, I'm going to try it. And I tried every single flavor they had there, and they all were like, nope, nope, <laughs> not that one either, <laughs> that's some shit. Sorry if I just ruined our um, chances of sponsorship. <laughs> Well, maybe it's just because you haven't tried Ruby Grapefruit White Claw. You know Seriously. what? I can I can hold out hope that maybe that would be palatable. <laughs> Julie, I'm going to get out the mini drone. I'm going to tie a can. <laughs> Neil, Neil, keep Sophie in the front room. I got to take this screen out. <laughs> um, y'all, t- to explain this before we get to talking about the episode, at the TC at the Television Critics Press Tour that I did. In January, January, yeah, I don't know, seventy-four God, like years 40 ago, forty years ago, yeah. yeah, yeah, before, way back in um, the days before Kobe Bryant died, nineteen years ago, um, yeah. uh, the one of the random weirdo swag gifts that they gave us, which are it's just it's the weirdest culture, but Showtime gave out mini drones with a Homeland sticker on it. Oh, yes. God, that's so Ooh. fucked up. So I am now in possession of a mini. I came home and promptly handed it to Tom. He was like, "Oh, sweet!" And we haven't done anything with it yet. Uh, but <laughs> but Tom and I had a long conversation about what we should do: is put a little tiny camera on it, and then Neil and Julie would be like, "Hey, do you guys have a cup of sugar?" And we'd be like, "Sure!" And we'd take a cup of sugar and put it in a little Ziploc bag, attach the Ziploc bag to the mini drone, and just fly it the two bo- blocks to Neil and Julie's just house. Just fly it west on Pratt, baby. And then Julie would just <laughs> open the window and take the sugar from the mini drone and the mini drone come back to us. I think that's the only reasonable use for a drone. Oh yeah. That uh, and um that and uh drone shots and dramatic moments in television shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys you guys know that I lost a drone into in the lake, right? No. <laughs> yeah. Nope. I was shooting the trailer for um uh what was what was the name of it? I have the thing uh Today We Escape. And it was during a polar vortex and I was I had my drone in my cam and like not a gimbaled camera but a GoPro on it that was just like fixed. And I was I had this really awesome shot in my mind where it was like the uh the wind was happening and all the snow and the ice and it was going to be like really dramatic because someone was trying to escape. And then uh, I decided to do an extra take on one of these big sweeping mm. shots and the wind took my drone and threw it in the lake. Oh. And I, I, what a all bitch. I, all I could do at that moment was go like, nope, that's my fault. I'm a dumbass. <laughs> probably my fault. <laughs> that's I probably shouldn't have done it. Yeah. 
this was stupid. Um, <laughs> well, I'm sorry for your drone. Well, but here's the thing. You know a drone uh, pilot, so I can help out with this. You need, I'll, I'll be your grocer. Okay. <laughs> Teamwork. Yeah, it's going to be great. Teamwork. It's going to be great. Um, all right, so let's talk about this episode, which I think was pretty good. It was okay. I there were there were I thought it was better than last week's vis-a-vis the like neck jerking flashback flash forward shit. But I do the constant voiceover was really there was a annoying. lot of there was a lot yeah. of clarification. But there were there were two much like last week's episode. There were two really standout scenes that I'll talk about when we get to them. But I mean, it was fine. And then. One of those scenes was extra good. And then the one thing overall, just umbrella over this episode, which kind of makes it awesome, is Kitty! Kitty! Uh, While I'm thinking of it, now I know I just said let's talk about this episode, but since I wasn't on last week's episode, first of all, Jenna, thank you so much. You did great. Thanks, Jenna. She did. And we had a good time watching it. She brought snacks. Damn. Oh, man. Uh, Here were my impressions of that episode. First, Mm -hmm. uh, Janine learned to tell time. Read a fucking (laughs) clock. Jesus Christ, what is your problem? No, it's okay. Because the night before, I told him, you know what, since it's just me and Jenna, it's okay if you're not there. But then he did go that extra mile to send me a text to say, I forgot what time it was, and then I had to roast him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, that's point one. Uh, Point two. That'll come back. I can't wait. Uh, (laughs) Y'all were uh, so right about Lauren Lyle. That scene with Brie was so good. I was so excited about it. It was really great. Uh, Point three. Everyone is right about the show being too hard on Roger. Roger does a lot of the same things in the books, and Jamie is not nearly as shitty to him about it. Because really, if you think about it, locking that guy up was the best way to keep him alive mm-hmm. while he tried to defuse the situation. So I think Roger did great, and Jamie should shit. Roger did great last week, mm-hmm. and Jamie should shut up. Right. Um, but also kind of Roger should shut up because he doesn't need to sing as much. <laughs> However, I know, I know, Jenna, let me know that this becomes very important later. And I, I'm already, my conspiracy theory brain, I'm busting out a foil hat already trying to figure out how. Like, what does singing have to do with anything? And then, like, this episode when we saw next week with all the plague of the locusts, I'm like, is he going to sing to him? <laughs> Is he just gonna walk out there and start singing fucking yesterday and all the locusts are gonna stop and be like, huh? Oh god. I gotta fly out of here. Jenna is right about it being important, and it just made me think of a thing that they could do that would be either terrible or really great. Uh, which would be if there is an episode coming up where it would be like extra uh impactful if they Changed the theme song so that Roger is singing it. Like, Ooh, just yeah. for a week. Mm. Ooh, that would be cool. That's what that's what I would do. I if would I were. prefer that to inserting him singing for no reason multiple times into an episode. Yeah. Well, it, more than once, it feels like it's just too much. Like maybe one time, if he had sung one song last week, I wouldn't have been so pissed off about it. But it just like it was like, okay, hey, at okay. least he didn't sing this week. At least yeah. he wasn't pouting in the woods. Pout hunting. hunting. Anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Perpetual Adoration is the name of the episode, uh-huh. uh, directed by Mira Menon, who I think did a really good job. Mm-hmm. Um, it was good, good direction, good direction. Um, and uh, a, a very nice tip of the hat in here to 
two of DrunkCast's favorite Outlander alumni, uh, which I think was very cool. And if you were watching the live stream, Julie and I both like fist pumped the air when they introduced that character. And we will save his name to when we get there, just so we can hear Janine say, oh shit. Mm -hmm. Fun. Um, Yeah. So... So I got the cold open here is uh, Claire in the 60s with her sweet ass jacket and her awesome eye makeup hanging and out. And that in hair. A very um, bejeweled Catholic church. And I'm kind of like, mm? And then my next note is, God damn it, voiceover. Yeah, there's a lot of voiceover this episode. And a she's lot. got a whole clarification in this one about the time travel and memory. Is this the one where they did the cuts between all the different times where she was. Do you remember Allison? Yeah, that was near the beginning. They did like a very yeah. disorienting supercut of um, time travel. Yeah, early season stuff and her going back and like very disor- intentionally disorienting. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then we have this voiceover. I'm I'm sorry, listeners. I love you all so much, but I'm just not going to devote my time and energy to that. There's only one in this episode where I had a really witty rejoinder to it, and I'll save it. But it's like, okay, fine. Yes, we know you fucking travel through time, and we know you've got feelings about it. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then season speaking, five. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Let's do this. Speaking of traveling through time, it skips to her surgery at Fraser's Ridge. So we're going back and we got all the moldy bread under all the jar. By the way, I meant to share this with you guys and I forgot the person's name. I swear to God, I'm going to look this up and I'm going to post it on the Slack and maybe post it on the Facebook when we release the episode to everybody else. Somebody on our fucking Facebook page sent me a photo where they had taken different pieces of bread and put them under different jars and glasses in their kitchen and said, just doing my part. (laughs) Ridiculous. And one of them had a little bit of avocado on it, and I was like, save the avocado! That's ridiculous. Anyway, it was fucking hilarious, so I'm definitely going to share that. So, we go back to her surgery, we see all the bread, and then we see Claire intently peering into a microscope where she sees these little green strands and all of a sudden takes a deep inhale like, oh my god, I found it. I've isolated penicillin. And she brings Marsley granoli in and granoli's like, paintbrushes! So I guess they're supposed to look like paintbrushes? I don't know. It's um, a good little scene. Yeah, and it's... I, I, I'm become I'm now coming to the opinion that any scene that has Lauren Lyle in it is automatically 300% better than any other scene around it. Am I wrong? Yeah, I agree. She's She's, so fucking good. She's good. And she's, she never overplays it. It's always like really understand. It always feels like the same character, right? Like it always feels like Marsley. There's like a little wryness, a little humor, even when it's serious and sad, you know, she's great. She's so good. Such, such intelligence too. And I think that that's part of what makes it so refreshing is that we've got Claire, who's obviously very smart and Brie, who's obviously very smart, but neither one of them have maybe quite as much like common sense as Marsley does. I don't, I don't know how to really explain that better. But anyway, I love her. Um, is it interesting that this, this weird timing of her discovering penicillin this week for us? Yes. <laughs> if like, I may oh. sidebar you guys yeah. just briefly, I mean, that's what the show is for and we're all isolated anyway, so let's fucking get to it. Yeah. Last night, Neil and I were like, oh, we should take up that Best Actress Oscars movie watching again. 
Okay. So we go back and we look at a list and we found 19, I think it was 1939 or 1938, Betty Davis won for a movie called Jezebel, which I've always wanted to watch and never have. Mm-hmm. So we watch it. And guess what one of the main plot lines is? Oh, fuck what? A yellow fever outbreak in New Orleans. Jesus. <laughs> and it was historically accurate. 1853 was the worst. The movie was set in 1852 and 1853 in New Orleans. And 1853 was the first worst outbreak of yellow fever in the state's history, where it had yellow fever every year for 60 years. Wow. And so Neil and I are like, it, it happens in like one of the first scenes, one of the kind of like bank managers or like mayor of the town or whatever mentioned something about yellow fever. And I look at Neil and I'm like, we are fucking watching a fucking plague movie right now. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Patty, I had to go there. And it's like, and like, that wasn't the intention. It's not like, Oh yeah, let's watch some walking dead. And yeah. Do this oh, let's watch thing. an old Betty Davis movie where she wears a red dress to a ball where all the other women wear white and it's all cold. No, uh. let's watch this fucking yellow fever movie. Oh, so, everything hurts. So Claire, Claire sees the paintbrushes. She shows Marsley and says, I think, what did she say? I think what we're supposed to say is Eureka. And Marsley's like, what does that mean? What does that mean? (laughs) And then I'm in my mind saying, I wouldn't just say Eureka. I would say, fuck yes. Like out loud in the surgery. (laughs) I, I, I am the first person to fucking isolate penicillin. It's me. It's me. (laughs) I would, um, I thought for a minute that she was going to say, I think what we should say is we did it, which is a much worse line of dialogue, but Mm. also maybe she should have been like, you helped me to achieve this. Thank you so much for making this possible. (laughs) Like Claire, come on. I'm glad that, that you've got better writers than that but you could still be like and by the way you rule thank you marsley thank you marsley for baking seven thousand loaves of bread (laughs) thank you marsley for guarding our fucking rat trap mold from mrs bug who wants to clean everything Mm -hmm. while i was out traipsing along the fucking prairie paths right (laughs) and then so this episode does have a little bit of that kind of flashback and forth a lot, but because we knew that it was going to be heavy about the time travel, somehow it's not quite as disruptive as last episodes was. I don't know how to explain that any better than I just did. So we flashback to Claire in the future, in the 60s, in some very mid-century modern office looking at some magazines. One is like modern building and it's all Frank Lloyd Wright looking and then there's something else and then underneath it, is a romance novel called The Impetuous Pirate. And we all know what this means. Bonnet. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't worry about it. Oh, shit. Don't worry about it, Janine. I'm worried about it. That guy's a fucking crazy motherfucker. And I think... (laughs) Yeah. I think during this scene, we have another voiceover, but I didn't make a note of it. I'm just going to assume that every scene with Claire is in has a clarification monologue in it, and this one, if it's in the 60s, because that's kind of what it felt like. But she's trying to be distracted by something. And I guess we find out later that she was in the surgical, the surgery, surgeon, surgeon's break room or whatever when she found this book. We don't find that out till later. Mm-hmm. But she's reading a trashy romance novel. That's what you need to know. Mm-hmm. 
Um, um, yeah, the impetuous pirate. Right. Which mm-hmm. I I think that title is straight from the books. I'll have to check. But Claire at, um, having a romance romance novel habit as a surgeon is uh, a thing that's straight from the books, which I think was addressed uh, in the third season. Um, but we'll get back to that uh, later in the episode. Mm-hmm. But there, there's a scene, a very funny scene in the book where she's reading something. I think it's the impetuous pirate and she gets to like some language that's all about like thrusting or moaning or mounds or something like very <gasps> descriptive. Right. Yeah. And she goes, Whoa! like out loud and kind of like tosses the book in the break room. And it is very funny. And I love it. Anyway, <laughs> that's it's awesome. a good scene. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> that's funny. And then I didn't really take any other notes during that scene, so that's why I think there was probably another voiceover. <laughs> and then it it was another voiceover because this is the first time that we see Claire on the bench at that park uh, just outside of Harvard or whatever, and she's waiting for Bree, right? Uh, who is wearing a sick pair of green velvet pants. And a sweet-ass denim-like over jacket, jacket? but it's kind of mm. like a shirt. Anyway, it looks good. And Claire has on a very cool A-line dress. They look incredibly fabulous, both of them. The hair is great. It's great. And I was mistaken because I thought what they were talking about was that they were going to go meet Frank at a restaurant. We find out, obviously, later that he has already passed. So I guess they're going out to eat together. And Bree's like, ooh, something cool must have happened or whatever. When we find out that it's because Claire's patient died. That's sad. Yeah. Yeah. So... Then it jumps her next flashback. Maybe let's. Mm, There's a lot of no. I I, Julie, I don't think I can because of there are too many. Let's. Why don't we do this? Why don't we talk through the patient storyline? Okay, and then we can just skip all of the flash forwards because it's it's a it's an unnecessarily confusing episode structure. A good episode and it's effective, but then in the fucking bonus, this is why the episode blah 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 at the end. It's like, well, we had to sort of deconstruct it to tell like guide you to the answer, which is that this patient made Claire like put it in her head that she should travel in time. So it was all connected as though the second you meet him, you don't understand why it is that she's drawn to him and what it means. It's uh, needlessly, it's more of that like ridiculous spoon feeding that apparently um, this patient is the like burn and bunny of this episode. Yes. He was just like, do you get it? Do you get it? It's like, yeah, I got it the second it happened. Like it's not, you're not like it was in the book for a reason. Like you're not that smart, bro. Um, so Janine. Okay. Yeah. So no, go ahead, Allison. So we're sitting. She's she's talking to her patient, who okay. is like a handsome, older, twinkly-eyed, bearded. It must be noted though that she comes into his room and he is straight up trying to smoke a cigarette out of the window out the while window. wearing yeah. his hospital gown. So he's a, he's a rapscallion. He he's a scamp. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. we know that he is a scamp because in addition to trying to smoke the cigarette out the window, he opens his mouth and what comes out but a fucking Scottish accent. Oh. Um, he's got a good brug. Mm-hmm. It's very thick. <laughs> uh, he, uh, it uh, as like, uh, no, I got nothing. Um, it is a very thick accent. Um <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they fails. start talking and you can tell that she is extremely charmed. She's talking to him about his gallbladder and he has gallstones and they're too big to pass. And um, 
he's going to need surgery because he's got an infection. They're having all this. And he keeps changing the subject. Um, First, it's whether or not he has cancer. And then he's talking about this. He's talking about that. He's talking about her husband. And is he American? And all of this shit. He's Um, all like, Randall, that's a good British name. (laughs) She's like, yeah, so. (laughs) But you can tell she's really charmed. And then at one point... um, I don't even know what he says. And she responds by saying, you have a talent for getting me off subject, Mr. Menzies. What? <laughs> and yes. Julie and I both lost our mind. We later find out his first name is Graham. Like Graham McTavish. So this character, I do not remember his name in the book, but it is definitely not Menzies. Um, <laughs> is, but they changed it so it's Mr. Menzies, which means oh. his name is Mr. Um, which it, and it's smoking and being charming and being love flirt and uh, and there's some conversation about his allergies, which is important. Yeah, she says we're gonna have to go in and we'll have to start you on an antibiotic, but first we're gonna put you through a battery of allergy tests to make sure you're not allergic to anything. Mm, okay. Important. Yeah. Like penicillin. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. On the nose. Mm, is it? <laughs> uh, or on the gallbladder. Or pollen. Whatever. So if we're going to continue with this storyline, what happens is she gives him the test. We don't see this part. Yeah. Right. Well, see, this is why it's difficult because that part goes back and forth in time too. We do find out that he is a widower and loved his wife very much and made a promise to her that he would go to this specific church that they went to every day to pray and think about her. So that's the church that we saw at the beginning is this church. And we'll figure that out as time goes on. Um, But I guess they go ahead and give him the test and he is clear to go, right, Allison? Yeah, he apparently he passes um, and then he passes uh, because... Later goes to check on oh, him with shit. some new nurse um, that, who she then yells at, Claire, get it together. Don't be a Karen. Yeah, don't um, be an asshole. She didn't do it. You uh, did. <laughs> but she he, she goes to like get paperwork or whatever so she can check on check in on him before his surgery. And then she says, oh, well, he's he died. He's no longer with us. Oh. She's like, someone should have told me. So he, ha- he went into anaphylactic shock because he had a reaction to the penicillin. Oh. But the allergy test did not show that he was allergic to penicillin, which Claire talks about in one of her many voiceovers being a very rare occurrence. Like that only happens with like 0.5% of the population or whatever. So they had no idea that he was actually oh. allergic to penicillin because they'd given him an allergy test. Yeah, yeah. So we are going to return to this. Do not let me forget. We are going to return to this in the books at the end of the episode. Okay. Um, uh, It's not a spoiler, but it's a big enough change that just in case they recycle that plot later down the line, I want to make sure that we're not ruining it for anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. So that, I mean, that's basically it. And then we see her... Except for one other thing. Oh, right. So we see her at the church again, and we realize that she is there because it's his funeral. Mm -hmm. She has a little chat with... um, the priest there who has a very not great American accent. No, you're right. <laughs> and he says, um, how, did you know uh, Mr. Menzies? And she says, oh, well, I'm his surgeon, was 
his surgeon. They have a little chat about loss and grief. And he says, well, people that we lose are never really gone as long as they're not forgotten. And she said, I think I need that reminder, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. And then we, in her very last scene in the future, the whole time she has the best eye makeup in the world, by the it's way. It's true. <laughs> we see her in a bar that evening, we presume, because she's kind of like Ooh, then the there are two more because there's mm-hmm. another one with Brie. I was thinking of something else. So yes, you're right. And she uh, is like sitting there kind of alone and then all of a sudden who do we see? Joe, Joe Abernathy! And I was Ooh. like, yay, I'm so glad that actor got to come back. Heck and yeah. so it's just this nice scene where he's trying to talk her through her you know, loss as a surgeon and how doctors deal with losing patience but he does straight up shade her about her romance novel and she kind of brushes him off like whatever (laughs) no she's like oh i found it in the surgeon's break room or whatever and he says yeah well who do you think put it there oh you're right it was because it was his yeah because that's their they have a romance novel bond yeah oh I, I'm sorry, that was kind of unclear to me. I might have been distracted by the live the fact cast or whatever. That, well, and the fact that Joe Abernathy was there, very exciting. But yeah, right. no, he's like, well, yeah, who do you think put it there? Because they bonded so, over the novels. That was really cute, and we get to see that. And then the final one is what? Her and Brie walking away from the bench and Claire asking her if she wants to go to London. And Brie is very hesitant, and Claire basically guilt trips her into it and says, like, well, your dad wanted to bring you. I've already taken leave. We can postpone your summer classes. Let's just go. And then that is the trip that they take where they find out that Reverend Wakefield uh, had died, which sent her to go look for Roger. And then Roger is a historian, which led to the hunt for Jamie, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So basically um, the like butterfly effect of Graham Menzies dying was it indirectly led to them going back in time. Hmm. Uh, and they could have just had her be reminded because he's Scottish, but instead they had to just like really, cause then she even has a monologue about it to Jamie at the end. Like they just really, Oh had my to, God. Um, as, as we all know, Outlander fans are a notoriously unintelligent lot. Um, we have to have things explained to us over and over and over again in order to get them bird bunny bird Um, bunny bunny bird yeah this by the way is obviously sarcasm uh you are all very (laughs) smart uh it's just that for some reason uh the man who lets ice melt in his whiskey for so long that shade becomes water uh thinks that we need to have everything spelled out for us in a way that doesn't make any sense alas so that's interspersed throughout the entire episode but now that we've dispensed with that let's get back to fraser's ridge yay (laughs) so they uh now it's going to be hard for me because of my fucking notes oh the first fraser's ridge scene allison i don't know if you remember this because we went back and forth through time so much was roger and Brie post-coital with Roger going, was it good for you? Ugh. <laughs> um, well, I, I think it's an important little scene because we have seen previously that Brie is having some sex troubles uh, because she is extremely traumatized, which uh, makes sense. So um, there, it's like a very cute, cuddly scene, but I think as there is a reminder that Brie is dealing with some shit and Roger doesn't know that which mm-hmm. becomes important in this episode as sure. we will see shortly. So mm-hmm. yeah, we see them canoodling as it were. 
And then uh, Roger and continually cute. brings Jamie into this conversation, and I'm like, leave my dad out of the bedroom butthole. Yeah. Can we not? Why are we talking about my dad right let's now? Not talk, let's not talk about... Let's not talk like, about... twice. He's like, but your father... Like, ugh, come on. And then we go to Jamie and... Uh, Fergus in Hillsborough. They're finally riding into Hillsborough with their militia. And they're trying to drum up more support. And when they first ride in, all these people think that they are the regulators. Right? The other mm-hmm. side. And everybody's like, ugh, and mad about it. And Jamie's like, no, 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 no. We're not traitors. We're here to ask you to join the militia. We got 40 shillings for each person. And then this one guy's like, that's it? That's what our <laughs> lives are worth? And I'm like, you know what? That's kind of how I feel about having to go back to work this week, but that's too meta. And then uh, we find out that all the redcoats have kind of like descended upon this town and are being like layabouts, like taking up all this space and fucking getting drunk in taverns. And yeah, they're enjoying mm -hmm. our hospitality as the. I don't know, unofficial mayor? Like, he rolls yeah, to the town and fight, like, who is, like, who is that dude? And what authority does he have over the town? It's just like, it is me. I speak for all of us. You will <laughs> never know my name because I don't matter at all. I'm just here to tell you that the exposition that way. Go mm-hmm. see them. They are enjoying our hospitality. This will become important when they are writing the bill rights in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. When we don't have to keep your soldiers in our homes and bars or whatever. So... Jamie and Fergus and whatever, they all split up. Jamie goes to this bar where he knows the Redcoats are, and Knox is there. Ugh, Knox. And the first shot we see is some guy throwing an enormous, like, buoy knife into a picture of Murtaugh, like mm. a wanted poster. Mm. They're, like, playing darts with a wanted poster. And we're like, oh, bummer. It's very irresponsible. Do you have any idea how expensive printing presses were? A lot. Like, paper was a hot commodity. Yeah. You can't you can't treat a wanted poster like that. It's like the people who tear off the maps of the Chicago L system from the train cars. That's Ugh, valuable fuck, information. Fuck you gotta leave it. You gotta leave it, Redcoats. I'm gonna say that the Venn diagram of people who went out to celebrate St. Patrick's Day yesterday and people who take the L maps like overlap 100%. Totally. Yeah, right? Am I wrong? Fucking red coats. Fuck. Anyway, so they're all in there feeling pretty good because they've had some time off. Jamie comes in and like throws his muster roll on the table like, I got all your men for you. And Knox is like, cool, 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 cool. Well, I've heard from Governor Tryon and I guess they're going to pardon the regulators. And Jamie's like, what? <laughs> Jamie's like, sweet. This is awesome. Uh, okay. Yeah, but he's happen. trying to hide that, right? He's trying to be all like, Jamie, like, don't look at my face while I'm trying not to be pleased with this news. And then, uh, then, what is it that Knox says? But somebody's bringing me the rolls from Ardsmuir prison. They found yeah, out that Murtaugh basically, was. Basically, Knox is like, yeah, I know it's a real bummer. No, we don't get to get Kill all of the dudes. But I'm going to try to make it so that we do because these rebels have to be stopped. Basically, he's still got a hard on for chasing down as many traitors as he can because he's a zealot. And like mm-hmm. again, that's it's it's he's a he's a red coat zealot. He's a relit. He's a <laughs> he's a zell coat. He's a z- zed coat. 
He's a... Somebody help. I'm just going to let you go. I'm done. Uh, <laughs> he's I that can't. zealot. I he's, can't. He's yeah. those zealots. Those so I, zealots? The, the, so. note, the note that I have for this is, Knox continues to suck. <laughs> so but in his pursuit of trying to find Murta, he has taken this step. Go ahead, Julie. To find the prisoner rolls from Ardsmuir. Yeah. Now, Jamie, I don't know if you remember this. I mean, sorry, sorry Jamie, Janine. It's, a, it's okay. That happens often with me. Sure, <laughs> sure, 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 sure. So, uh, but the Arsmore thing is, is a big deal because he, he's been looking. Guess who else is on that role? He is. Yeah. Who's he? Mechdu. Uh, Mac- oh, yeah. So Jamie. Jamie's name is on there. Yeah. Right? So Jamie hears him say this and is like, well, fuck. Okay. So he's going to know that not only was I in Arzmir prison, but I was in Arzmir prison with a lot of the people who are regulators now. Yeah. And maybe he's going to, old Knox is going to knock three times and fucking put it together. <laughs> and so Jamie's like, hmm, new wrinkle. Anytime. Right. And then, and then the last note that I have is that Jamie has to hide all this, right? And then they give him the knife to throw at Murtaugh. And y'all, we all know that if he really wanted to hit the bullseye, he could, right? Dude, Jamie's yeah. good at everything. Right. No, he intentionally misses. He goes like four inches wide so he doesn't pierce Murtaugh's face. And so we know, whew, okay, he's got to figure out a new game here. He is very good at pretending to be bad at throwing knives at his godfather's illustrated face. Exactly. <laughs> he's very good at being <laughs> pretending to be bad. Uh, uh, hold on. Okay. And then the next, the next scene back in time is back at the Fraser's Ridge in her hosp in her uh, surgery where she's got to deal with some tonsils. Ooh, tonsils finally. Oh, that's coming. Yeah. Oh, it's coming. That's been that's been on the on the dock for a while. Frontier oh, yeah. medicine, but it's but not great. Da, da, da. Boom. It's not great. I w- well, that's not how they did it in the show. Yep. Oh. Which maybe I'm remembering that incorrectly, but in my mind, I thought it was fucking wire. I thought she took wire and went, and yeah. like snarfed it right out. And then the, <laughs> co- we'll get it. We'll get there. We'll I get was there. about to say the other thing that's accurate, because the thing that's truly squick worthy is what happens after that. So, mm-hmm. so she, it's her and Marsley. And then Kezi is in the chair first. So, you know, it's the two twins, Josiah right? Is that his name? Mm-hmm. And, and Kezi. And Kezi is the um, deaf uh, twin, so he's not really responding. He keeps looking at his brother for reassurance and like, is this okay? Is this okay? And Claire, like, she's like looking in there. She's opening his mouth. She's like, okay, okay, get ready, Marsley. And then they, does she give him the penicillin first or is that yeah. after? So she's like checking him out. And then, oh, that's right, because she finds out he wasn't allergic. Yeah, oh. she's she does a test. Yeah. Then, because, of course, she's testing. So then she goes and takes her syringe from Dr. Rawlings' medicine kit, and um, there's a teacup full of, like, penicillin water. Like, it looks like an <laughs> over-milked cup of tea, but nobody really drinks does. that because it's mold water. 
Ew. <laughs> oh, God. She sucks. At Mar- Marsley's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, fine. Okay, along. I get it, I get she, it, I get it. She puts in a syringe and flicks the tip like you're supposed to, and then flicks the tip, and then <laughs> <laughs> she um, uh, says, uh, you know, okay, drop, drop, your, dra- drop your drawers. Um, and Lizzie is all like, oh, oh my oh, word. No. She has Lizzie holding the lantern, and now she's got the vapors, so luckily Lizzie does not faint and set the surgery on fire, Lizzie. Which I thought was going to happen. Yeah. But he does, he straight up looks at his brother like, should I take my pants down? <laughs> and Josiah's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he pulls his <laughs> pants down over his hip. Claire gives him the old penicillin shot. He's like, what the fuck? By the way, how long until somebody says she's a witch? I don't know. I mean, maybe they, maybe it's just passed. I, like, I, I mean, this maybe moment. Maybe it'll be Jamie. It'll be like, maybe you are a witch. Then she'll go, I'm not a witch. I'm your wife. so she gives him the penicillin shot he's like oh god he sits down and she's like okay okay now take this and she hands him like an enormous bottle of laudanum which if he drank the entire thing would probably kill him him. oh yeah but he he takes us he takes a swig and she goes uh that's gonna take effect pretty quickly and then she looks at marcy he's like we gotta go bring the bowl and put the the sheet over his chest Cover him with the sheet. She tells him to hold him very tight. By the way, somebody in the live in the live watch pointed out that Claire should have wiped his ass down before she gave him that shot, and that is yeah. true. Claire, yes. come on. In this time of being focused on germs, we must all do our part. Get it together. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I'm touching my face right now. She puts the sheet on him. <laughs> she says, "Hold him steady," and she tells him, "Is to that hold Mr. Bug?" Possible. Yeah, is Mr. that Mr. Bug? Bug. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's Mr. Bug is there, and Marsley is there, and Lizzie Josiah and is there, Josiah. and Lizzie, yeah. So she takes, first of all, Marsley walks over, and she says, now just like we rehearsed, bring the sterilized tools. And Marsley carries a little tray over, and then she goes, scalpel, and then it's a scalpel, and it is so cool. No, the best part is she goes, cork, and she takes a cork and just shoves it between his teeth so his mouth stays open, oh, so wow. she literally puts a cork in it. <laughs> yeah, she puts a cork in it. So cork, scalpel. She and then she scalpel. just reaches in there and goes, Shit! and then blood starts pouring out of his mouth. Oh and she's like, bowl. And she tips his head forward and his tonsil comes like, blah, 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 like oh right to the bowl. And then bowl, blood is just rushing out of his mouth. And she goes, now we must cauterize the wound. This is the tricky part. And I'm like, that wasn't fucking tricky. And then all of a sudden there is a like white hot, like metal wand in her hand that has been in the fire for God knows how long. She's like, lean back. Yes, yes. And then just burns it shut. Motherfuck. Holy hell. Hence the laudanum. Yeah. And Lizzie's <laughs> over there going, Lizzie didn't get any laudanum. And Lizzie's no. all like, about to die. Oh my God. Yeah. And we find out that Josiah let Kezi go first and now has seen all this happen. And now Josiah's like, Oh. <laughs> Shit. But Liz, um, Claire tells Kezzy to go lay down, and this is actually a very nice little moment. And uh, Kezzy just looks at Josiah without saying anything, without gesturing or anything. And Josiah looks at him and then looks at Claire and says, He won't leave until I'm done too. So then he stays oh, yeah. to give his brother support. It's a nice little moment. Yeah. That's good. Anyway, mm. frontier medicine. So we can presume that they're okay for now. Oh, the good old the, days. They no yep. longer have tonsils. <laughs> mm, okay, hold on, hold on. 
All right. And now we're back to Roger babysitting Jimmy in the cabin. Jimmy's a little fussy. So Roger's trying to comfort the baby and he's wandering around and he goes to the jewelry box to find him some trinket, like a watch on a string or something that like to hypnotize his baby. Look, I don't know what he's trying to do. Literally like, look, shiny. Like Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But then the box falls off the mantle and he's trying to put everything back in and he finds the jewel that Stephen Bonnet gave to Bree. Do you remember that? Mm. In the that he prison. pulled out of his tooth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. He finds it. And the thing is, is that I don't know if you remember this, but Roger was on Stephen Bonnet's boat for a long time. Yeah, he knows what that jewel looks like. And we flash back to a poker scene where that was one of the things that Stephen Bonnet put into the kitty when he was playing poker with Roger. Mm-hmm. So Roger is intimately aware of this particular jewel and who it belongs to. Oh, shit. Right. So he has this moment where he's kind of looking at it. And I said to the live cast, I was like, if Roger is a fucking dick about this, I'm going to lose my mind. Reader, he was a dick about it. Oh, damn. Um, So she gets home from mushrooming. (laughs) She's just out there shrooming. She couldn't find any chanterelles, but she was happy with whatever she found. And then all of a sudden, he comes in real hot with like, what's this? And we're like, oh, Roger. I, I have a hard time with this scene because it is 100% reasonable that he would be concerned that like there's this major thing having to do with her rapist that he doesn't Mm -hmm. know about right Mm -hmm. like especially because he's already seen the drawings like he is aware that she is going through something and not telling him about it so it makes perfect sense that he would be concerned but the way that he and not Richard Rankin who I think is doing exactly what's scripted right but the way that Roger addresses it is just wrong and I don't think the show feels that way right like I don't just I don't know why he's so defensive about all this shit. Yeah, it's It's, very strange. It's very clear that she went through an incredible trauma. And it was was Keenan that said, Roger, I'm going to need you to work this out on your own. Hmm. So, short, long story short, Roger was a butthole. That sucks. And and we were all like... And it's very upsetting for... Brie like she is obviously and what it comes down to ultimately is they what so first he finds out that she had this conversation with him in the prison which he didn't know about Um, he knows apparently that she went to see him hanged but then he wasn't hanged and so he doesn't know they've had this conversation but so at first he's like oh okay and then he says but wait then why the bonnet that I knew would never have given up that jewel even to save his mother I think is the line why did he give it to you? And she says, because I told him that Jemmy was his. And that is the thing that like ultimately drives him out of the house to go pout hunt in the pout woods hunt. all night. Um, pout because hunt. Because he, what he wants to know is who in her heart she believes his father is. And the answer mm. is of course, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter because you're his father because yeah. like you're raising him. So it doesn't matter, but it is just, it's a, they are obviously both very upset and Brianna in particular is upset without being angry. Whereas Roger is angry and it is a bummer. That's <sighs> Roger. Please tell me that this character is going to get better. Get, I mean, well, I, I have a hard time answering that because 
the character in the book is less of a dick. And I think some of it is just translation. Like a lot mm-hmm. of the actions he takes in the show are the same as the actions he takes in the book, but because we, uh, Claire's chapters are the only chapters that are actually in first person, um, mm-hmm. but we get first person removed or whatever it is, right? Where we're, even though it's not written as a first person narrative, we're seeing things from his perspective. Um, mm-hmm. So we like, we know what's going on in his head and we can understand his thoughts. And the best example of that is his like, Hey, I don't want to fuck you until we're married thing. Right. Which in the book, because you're reading it from his perspective comes from this like incredible depth of feeling where, and it's like still sort of a dick move, but really it's just that like, you can understand where it is he's coming from as opposed to here. It just felt like slut shaming and it's almost other than location. It's almost the exact same storyline. It's just without knowing what is going on with him. And I don't think that this is a dig on Richard Rankin, but I do think the show hasn't put with the exception of the episode where he's in the camp hasn't put a ton of time or effort into helping us understand who Roger is in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's not as complex a character as a lot of the other characters on the show, because we just, he's mostly wrapped up in plot, mm-hmm. um, which I hope will change this season because there's some very cool, um, nuanced Roger storytelling coming up. And if it is kind of superficial, it's really going to be a bummer. Um, well, I, that, that gives me hope. Yeah. I'm hope I'm optimistic. I mean, they, he is such a good actor. I know. I love him. But this character is just giving me like whiny man, baby shit that I hate. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I, and I think some of it is just, like, can you imagine if the last episode had been framed just a little differently and it was not about, like, wow, Roger, you're fucking up so much. It was instead, like, well, you were in an impossible situation and here are the things that you did to diffuse it that worked. Even though you don't have this skill and this skill, you have this skill and mm-hmm. this skill and that's useful. And instead it was, like, you don't know how to be a captain. I'm, like, no, that's yeah. not. He fucking, he did the he very did best what he, he could. could. Right? Like, it's... So I think some of it is that I think the show is more down on Roger maybe than it needs to be. And that's coming through. I don't know. I, I find it very bewildering because Richard Rankin is so good. So when, when the writing is even sort of up to the level that he's at, then Roger is great. But with scenes like, and I thought his scene with Claire was great. And I thought the that's scene coming up comes, and his scene with right. Brie on the porch is also very good. That's coming also, up. but this mm-hmm. one is a real bummer. Mm-hmm. So, he has his man baby fit and goes to pout hunt. And then we have a uh, flashback to the future, whatever. So the next Fraser's Ridge scene is Roger in the woods with his big old gun getting his man on. Missing. And, <laughs> right. And he, Just shooting and bullets. He almost kills Claire. <laughs> and Claire comes around this tree and is like, ah! and he's like, ah! and then they have a heart to heart. And it's a delightful scene. And it's, it's I, I have Claire counsel, counsels Roger. Basically, it's like, you guys haven't been married that long, and you need some time. You need to start listening more, it, learning about who the other person is and how they respond to things. And anyway, it's, it's a delight. And Allison, you told me to write this down, and I know why you did, but I'm going to lob it to you right now. Claire says, the truth hurts. Yeah, it's, um, it's, I just took it, what I thought was, 
from first Roger perspective. I just took a DNA. D- Hold on, I'm gonna do this better. I just took a DNA test. Turns out I'm a hundred percent a dick. Because uh, <laughs> he was just like not. But the other option I had in my head was I just took a DNA test. Turns out. I'm 100% your kid because it doesn't matter whether or not we share the same DNA. You wipe some blood on my forehead so it's already that I'm being your kid because you are raising me and it doesn't matter who put sperm in my mother. I am actually your son. (laughs) (laughs) I think you need to contact Lizzo's people immediately. Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. and and, then I gotta be great. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, anyway, uh, oh, that's uh, the first of two times that I'm going to sing inappropriately this episode. So I'm the Roger McKenzie of this week because mm-hmm. uh, there are definitely going to be two unnecessary songs. That's number one. So this was a very good scene between Roger and Claire. And it's basically yeah. just Claire telling Roger, hey, simmer down, bitch. You don't know what she's going through. You need to pay a little bit more attention. And well, then he does. And he, he does. She, she says, like, I mean, it's what you need to do is listen. Mm-hmm. So he does. But he also, it's another time that Frank is invoked in this episode. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. That's true. She, mm. she, he says, you know, it's your marriage makes it look easy, basically. And she's like, well, I mean, I was married before. Um, so first of all, I've had more practice. And second, my first marriage was really complicated. Um and he says, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to dredge up the past. And she says, no, you know, I've been thinking about that time a lot, actually. And um, and it's a very, it's a really lovely scene. I love any time we get a scene that's Katrina and Richard Rankin. They are very good together. Like, mm-hmm. really, I, I, like, I think about fucking, do you remember super early Roger and Claire scene when he's told her that she's, that he's found Jamie. Yes, and at her house upset. in Boston. Yeah, yes. and then he goes, what What can I do? What can I do? It's so yes. fucking good. Like, they're very, very, very good together, those two actors. And not mm. in like a, ooh, chemistry way. Just like, they're... Good they listeners. Com- they complement each other incredibly well as performers. It just mm. works every time. It's so good. So Roger takes Claire's advice to heart and goes out shrooming himself and finds all the chanterelles in North Carolina. <laughs> I found some chanterelle. And he brings him back as tribute to his lovely wife, like, mm, sorry, I was such a man baby. Look at these big mushrooms. Also, he brings them in the most beautiful piece of bark. It's mm-hmm. like he... It's an offering. All, don't pull bark off trees, but let's assume... <laughs> if just, you have to. If he, Let's assume he just found that bark. It's like, it's cur... It's just beautiful. It was like visually just really stunning. I hope that they checked for bugs and when they saw it didn't have any bugs they started just using it in there like holding potpourri like it looked like here's a thing to hold potpourri and only right now it's mushrooms it was very pretty Mm -hmm. or folded up cloth diapers just in a little row so you could just reach out and grab one out of the little tube of bark yeah i'm so into it so he brings her the mushrooms that she had been looking for and could not find and then they have uh what was probably my second favorite scene in the entire episode which is Roger essentially saying, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, my reaction was not what it should have been. Uh, and then Bree, like, starts to soften up to him a little bit and realize that he's being honest with her and, you know, trying to work through some shit. And she just looks him right in the face and is like, 
I have to tell you something. Bonnet is still alive. And what does Roger do? Oh, boy. Not be a dick? No, he wasn't a dick. He's not a dick. But he does have the man thing. The Mm. man thing happens. Where he's all like, like immediately. (laughs) And it's like, buddy, chill. But At least he doesn't make it about him, right? It is like definitely like... we are, he is not going to come here. He is not going to. He says, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that he's It doesn't alive. matter. He doesn't matter. He doesn't matter, right. It's, very, it's a very good little line. Our family is what matters. And so now we know that Roger is aware. And there's a moment, I don't remember what caused it, but this is when he had his really good eyebrow raise, Allison. Oh, it's, I think it was just the reaction to it, where he just he was like. He was so good. Like a great piece of brow acting. His whole face is like, <laughs> like all just of this motion comes through just in his fucking one eyebrows. tiny eyebrow raise. Really it, good. it was really jacting. It was a reminder of jacting, but it was bracting. Brocting. 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 Yeah, I like that brocting. And so uh, that was good. And that scene was definitely my second favorite scene. They're lovely together. It is a scene of respect and reconciliation, and it's they're very into each other you can tell it's good but at the very end he says we're gonna take that diamond and we're gonna keep it you're right it's gems take it back it's our ticket back and as soon as we know if he can travel we will use it to go back and Mm. they hug and you can see on Bree's face she's like i still don't know if i want to do that i don't know if i want to leave my mom and dad right complicated so still kind of hanging out in the breeze and then we go back to the future for a minute but we've already talked about it and then when we come back to the past it's Jamie in Hillsboro knocking on Knox's in like hotel room door, essentially, I guess, wherever he's lodged. And he's like, here's your muster roll. So he's got like all the people that he was supposed to gather for the militia. He has done. So his job is essentially done, right? I'm mm-hmm. done. I'm done. And he throws it at him. And then Knox is like, fancy a game of chess. Ugh. <laughs> you have to give me a chance to best you. No, I mm. don't. I don't, though. So Jamie's like, fine. What fine. is it with red coats and wanting to play chess with me? Why are you so obsessed with chess me? with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. And then Knox has this fucking thing where he's like, I'll be sad to see you go, and I'm happy to call you a friend. If I had to go into battle, there's nobody I would want by my side more than you. And I have thought he was going to try to kiss him. I really did think that was coming, but it did not. And they sit down to the chessboard, and then all of a sudden there's a knock on the door, and a little urchin shows up with the Ardsmuir prison rolls. It's... And the music gets really like, it's very intense. To give Jamie his due, he doesn't move a muscle. He just sits there and waits at the table. And dude sets him off to one side and he says something. And Jamie's like, you're going to see my name on those rolls. And Knox is like, yeah, I mean, you're not the only James Fraser in Scotland, dude. And Jamie's like, uh, no shit, but I am the only James Fraser from Brock Turak. Yeah, it's like, he's like, by the way, uh, I'm. Th- this is about to get real, and he's like, "No, it's not." And he's like, "No, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it's. A, yes, it is." By the way, he's like, "Uh, uh, 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 uh," and he looks and at then the roll. Knox looks at the roll, and his eyes get really big, and he goes, "And I see that Murtaugh Fitzgibbon's name is Fraser." 
Oh. And he's like, yeah, he's my godfather. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, man. Oh, damn. And Knox is like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and Jamie's like, hey, man, here I am. I I don't know what to tell you. I, I did what I did. And yeah, I'm related to that guy and he's my family. I love him. And he's a good man. He actually says Murtaugh Fitzgibbons is a good man. Which, of course, we know that Knox thinks he's like a traitorous piece of shit. Yeah. So here's Jamie being like, nah, he cool. <laughs> and then it starts getting real heated real fast. And on the live stream, I'm like, he's going to have to kill him. And sure enough. Which he does. Knox oh. says things like, um, what kind of monster wears the cloak of nobility to hide that treachery, blah, blah, blah. Like, crazy person shit uh, and it and just is like i will ask you to stand down while i call for your arrest and he's already pulled a knife and jamie's like yeah about that see i think you forgot in addition to my list of things i'm good at which is fucking and like uh <laughs> the bean flick and mm-hmm. uh missing a picture of Murtaugh yeah. with an enormous knife from across the room speaking many languages uh, uh being a diplomat sword dancing when i have a dance double Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, wearing a vest, looking good, good without bangs. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Long list mm-hmm. of things I'm good at. Um, covered, uh, look, looks good covered in blood. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, in addition to that list, I'm also just really good at straight up murdering a dude, which is the thing that people seem to forget about the quote unquote king of men. Is yeah, that he's a murderer. He he's is a good person. He is a good person, but he also fucking murders people. He kind of murdered, a serial killer. He has. I mean, he has murdered several people. Okay, like, now hold on. Let's talk. Let's talk it out just real quickly. In his time that we've seen on the show with Claire's relationship, he murdered those two guys that tried the two redcoats that tried to rape her. Yeah, I would say that is like a self-defense, right? Self-defense, but still killed them, so they're killed dead. Killed them, yes. However, actual murder, fucking Duncan. Gr- Duncan and this guy and... Some others, I think. Do we do we count Beardsley as murder, or is that a mercy killing? That's a mercy killing. Okay. But there are definitely more. Those are but just like... But he's definitely killed like more than five, less than ten people hand-to-hand, face-to-face, knowing what he was doing. Outside of battle has <laughs> yes, definitely straight-up murdered multiple people yeah. um, and has helped cover up murders of other people. Like, there's yeah. been... And has oh, attempted yeah. to murder other people. Like, there's been a lot of... There's been murder. a lot of murdering. <laughs> there's been some um, murder. Because he he does what he has to do to defend his family, and in this case, like his family needs him to be alive and not in prison, so he has to kill this guy. But it is straight up murder. Like to having a good reason for it doesn't mean it's not murder. He is definitely a murderer. So he grabs Knox and puts him in the chokehold. Which, uh, if I may, that chokehold looked a little weak. Well, and it <laughs> didn't take nearly long enough. But that is right. A, a general pet peeve. Yeah, that's a, that's just a little bit of a pet peeve. It would have taken a lot longer for somebody to die that way, even if you were fucking really choking him out, because it didn't really look like he was really choking At him out. At one point, anyway. he goes, I'm sorry I denied you a soldier's death, but uh, I'm straining myself to crush a windpipe. And then he chokes him out. He dies. And then Jamie has the uh, murderer's sense of mind to drag this guy into his bed, take off his shoes and socks, cover him with a blanket, make it look like he died in his sleep, and then Close open the flue. Yeah, open the flue to the fireplace so it looks like he affix- asphyxiated. But he grabs- before he opens the flue, yeah, he tosses the Ardsmere prison roll into the fire. So nobody can ever see that again. 
And then he crawls out the window, happens to look to his side, and what's there? A kitty. But hold on. We we skip something really important, which is that at one point, uh, when Knox is talking his zealot shit, he's like saying this, that, and the other thing. He says, Those who follow the path of the righteous will have their reward. Which is, um, uh, from the Bible, but more importantly, from Les Miserables, the song Ooh. Stars, the best song from Les Miserables. Is that Valjean? That is Javert. Javert, is, right, oh. the cop. And if they fall as Lucifer fell. Oh, I can't do too much. Um, anyway, it's those who fall. I was very excited. It was like, mm-hmm. ooh, Les Mis. I mean, Bible, but Les Mis. That's Les Mis. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, then he finds a cat. The cutest cat in the history of cats. It's a very cute little gray cat, but you can tell that this kitten has had a rough go of it. Like he's, his fur is a little bit matted and he looks a little bit scared. And Jamie's like, don't meow or I'll kill you because I don't need people to know I'm up here. And the cat's like, cool and they start giving himself a bath so he's silent and jamie's like you're cool all right let's go <laughs> and then he hits the streets and there's fergus and he's like uh we gotta go deuces let's go <laughs> clear out of town so uh, fergus by the way is like oh because they've at this point they've noticed there's a fire so people are yelling fire and there are bells and whatnot and a bunch of soldiers found Knox. oh jamie also locked the door from the inside before he went out the window um smart uh, so they've broken down the door and they've carried Knox outside to try to revive him. And Fergus says, it's Lieutenant Knox. And Jamie gives him this look that's like, no shit, it's Lieutenant Knox. We gotta go. You don't, really understand. you don't understand. You think he coincidentally died of fire association? Go. We gotta go. We gotta get out of here. So they leave. Obvi. And uh, then we see Jamie approaching Fraser's Ridge, so they're coming home, and Claire is out in the garden fucking raising penicillin. I don't know what she's doing. She's digging around in the dirt. And they say hello to each other, and then Jamie pulls this adorable kitten out of his vest. <laughs> and it's a big, muscly man with a tiny kitten in his hand, and I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was, it, it, hits, it hits all the... All that was that was both of my ovaries exploding. Yeah, <laughs> and then he gives he gives the kitty to Claire, and Claire's like, oh, "Okay, well, we got to feed this cat." And then they have a conversation about her time travels, right? Isn't that how it ends? Yeah, they talk about um, how she's been thinking a lot about that patient, and she had told him about it before, and um, she's glad that it happened because it led. It's a little like thematically mushy. Like I think that that the mustache thought they had um, like a really sweet through line and that's fine mm. but it just um, I don't know maybe if they had explained it a little bit more I would have been <laughs> what I was supposed to think um, fuck that uh. anyway it's but it's a, like it, the kitty is extremely cute um, kitty is straight from the book Adso being named for his cat when he was growing up also straight from the book little gray floof he's so cute there is one last thing there was a flashback at the very end where we we got another clarification voiceover where she's all like, God, the saver, God, the protector. And I'm like, God, the voiceovers. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to get that in there because it got several laughs on the live stream. And I, I felt that our audience would really appreciate that bit. That's a good bit. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it was it was, it too was many. a lot. It was a too lot. Many. Too much voiceover. Way too much. All right, so that's kind of it. Yeah. 
Interesting. I mean, episode. it was good. It was the the death was very shocking. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Just like very. It was, the, and that was surprising. my favorite scene the the yeah. scene between Knox and Jamie in his room over the chessboard and you know, all, everything that ensued was my favorite scene what made it extra effective um, because again they didn't feel the need to spell it out is it just called back to all of those scenes with Lord John which mm-hmm. sort of I think underline that it manages to underline what makes Lord John so special um, mm-hmm. because he like Jamie was able to just see the person in front of him and have a conversation. And that as a result expanded his worldview and um, they're both able to see like nuance and shades of gray and to talk about these issues and to understand each other in this other way. And, um, and Knox just what was like the opposite of that, right? Like mm-hmm. a, a highly intelligent man who sees a bunch of valuable qualities in Jamie who cannot, even begin to comprehend any of that complexity because he's just interested in the things that he feels so zealously about. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I think that scene was really great. I was a big fan of the Claire and Roger in the woods too. I think that scene was amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And kitty. Kitties. I want y'all to know the recording remotely. We have to create like a session name in the thing we use. And usually when we do that, or this is how I also record debating Dr. Who, it'll be like DDW dash. And then the name of the episode, or it'll be outlander Mm -hmm. dash, uh, between two ferns, right? Like Mm -hmm. so that I know the name. Uh, but for this one, I just wrote outlander dash kitty. Yep. (laughs) I was confused when we, when I came in here, I was like, that's why. No, I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm so excited to see more of Kitty as time goes on. And one of our one of our listeners on the live cast also was like, she doesn't want to have a kid, but why don't you bring her back that little kitten? <laughs> that was Jen Lander Drunklin. Yeah, and it was cute. And it also advised us. She also suggested that we skip to um, the last minute of the behind the episode, which we just ended up watching the whole thing. But we were going to skip it entirely and watch it on our own. Uh, because my live feed wasn't working very well. And then she was like, nope, you got to stay for the last minute. I was like, kitty! Kitty! <laughs> and it is a it was it good. preternaturally uh, cute kitten. Kitty. Like, I, how did they find this thing? I don't know. He's so cute. Insanely, like, central casting, find me the cutest cat in the history of the world. It's yeah. a very cute cat. So <laughs> that's Extremely it. Cute cat. That's the episode of Perpetual Adoration. So now what? Mm. Scales? Scales. So, and this is a good time to talk about the other thing we're going to do. So let's talk about sex, babies. Uh, On a scale of, on the low end, Ken Burns baseball. Mm -hmm. (laughs) To, let's see, what's like a post-coital, but they're still fucking, um, to the opening of Bridesmaids. Ooh, cut my balls. (laughs) Cut my balls. Cut my balls. Cut my balls. I, I want you to leave. That um, on a scale of Ken Burns baseball to bridesmaids, where does this episode fall? Oh God, closer to Ken Burns baseball. Yeah, it's just the because Roger keeps bringing a dad into it. Ugh. Yeah, boner killer. Boner killer. Stop talking about my dad. Um, yeah, I would say like, let's see, uh, maybe a league of their own. Low oh, okay. on sex. That's Although my head was Marla, who does get drunk and sing that extremely charged karaoke. 
That's true, but there's no boning. So I agree with League of Their Own. I think that's a good, I think that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. Get better, man. Mm-hmm. We love you. Yeah, we love you. And yeah. Rita. Rita, um, we love you, too. And Rita, we love you, too. Um, all right. So then costumes on a scale of, mm-hmm. let's say, um, uh, like a, a low-budget production of Jean-Paul No Exit. No, No Exit, where everybody just wears black. <laughs> to a high-budget production of Les Mis, where mm. everybody is wearing extremely mm-hmm. elaborate rags. I'm going to give it, I already know my answer to this. Great. I'm going to give it a regional theater, but not like a tiny regional theater, like a mid-grade regional theater production. Like a Guthrie? Yeah, like a Guthrie. A Guthrie's production of Company. Ooh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> because we get the cool 60s clothes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then also, ooh, Janine, at one point we see Brie wear pants again in the past. It's great. Yeah. Um, she's That's like, hey, it's me. I'm back from hu- looking for mushrooms in my stylish pants and my vest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a trait she, inha- she inherited from her father. Very good at wearing vests. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right. Um, and then getting up to get a beer. So there's two um, things about this that I have to ask. Because of the li- live stream, I was not actually able to get up and get a beer. Does that matter? Is it more the idea of whether or not I could? Yeah. It's, okay. How about this? How um, how often were you so... We'll change it slightly because of the live stream. How often were you so riveted by what you were watching that you forgot to react in a Charlie Chaplin-esque entertaining way? Mm, maybe twice. So on that level, I would say I could get up to get a beer. <laughs> yeah, I would also get up to get a beer. Yeah. However, once they're playing that, once that Ardsmere prison roll is coming. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. no. After that, off. no. Yeah. After that, In I'm the on the couch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so speaking of Ken Burns baseball, mm-hmm. um, I was hoping that somehow our delightful slackers wouldn't see this. <laughs> But they did, um, because it's all over the internet right now. Uh, PBS. Um, oh, are they talking about it on Slack right now? Yeah. yeah it's hilarious. Yeah. Fucking yeah. hilarious. So PBS uh, shared this morning that they are releasing all of Ken Burns baseball <laughs> on <laughs> PBS.com. Um, so that what people you reap, can watch. So shall you sow. Isn't it funny? <laughs> so that people can watch it. While they're self-isolating or whatever, PBS, National Treasure. um, Thanks, PBS. Like, PBS is the best. And here's the thing about Ken Burns Baseball. (laughs) We don't use Ken Burns Baseball as the bottom of the scale because it is boring. We use it as the bottom of the scale because it is not sexy. Uh, and because it is long enough that of course you often get up to get a beer, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we don't use it for the costume scale because old timey baseball uniforms are the best. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but it is as all Ken Burns documentaries are, it is a very good documentary. Um, it is, ext- it is really compelling. Uh, and to do our part because fate just threw that in our paths. How could we not comment on it? I would say um, that fate pitched it to us. Oh, oh. that was good. Uh, maybe yeah, thank you. God pitched it to us. <laughs> Who knows? Ken Burns so definitely pitched God. it to us. Ken Burns pitched it to us. Um, there's also a very charming video of him talking about wanting people to watch it while that we're all separated, so we can do something together. We don't deserve Ken Burns. We, he's mm-hmm. just the best. Um, he mm-hmm. is also 
an extremely nice man. Um, I interviewed him last year and he, he was so nice and it was such a good conversation. And then like three hours later, I was walking through the hallway and crossed paths with him and just like did my very best to not be in his way. Cause he's Ken Burns. And he went, Oh, hi Allison. How's the rest of your day going? <laughs> That's he's so very awesome. nice. Um, he's like a very, very nice person. So Anyway, we are going to contribute to your um, entertainment cue uh, by doing the only thing we could ever do. And uh, watching this week, we are going to separately watch the first episode of Ken Burns Baseball and then record a mini podcast on it for our Patreon backers. Uh, If you're backing on Patreon at the level where you get bonus content, you can look sometime next weekend for an episode from us talking about the first episode of Ken Burns Baseball. Please watch along with us. Watch it at some point this week. If enough of you listen to it that you like it maybe we'll keep going and oh do another episode next oh, week gosh. but I don't know we're gonna that. talk That's about I, I, i'll <laughs> commit i'll commit to an episode a week at most but it's hilarious i mean i can't i can't say it's no it's too funny i mean it is here it is really good like it mm-hmm. is you're gonna want to love watch i love all of his documentaries so i know i would yeah. love it but it's also like i don't give a single shit about baseball <laughs> i just truly yeah, but, but yeah. that's the magic of ken burns oh you, my god all care of about a sudden, baseball? you're like, yeah. Because is it going to make me cry? If, is baseball going to make me cry? Because you know what I've if, heard? There's no crying in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, sorry, Tom Hanks. It's Ugh. definitely going to make you cry. When has a Ken Burns documentary not made you cry? At least Never. Once? Yeah, right. Never. He's just, he's very good. So uh, you should watch along with us. Um, and yeah, we're going to, we're going to do a little Ken Burns baseball. So I think, oh, in the books, we will do in the books after we read our Patreon-y stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you so much for listening and for self-isolating and for helping to flatten the curve um, and protect the vulnerable, most vulnerable members of our society and um, all of that shit and for foregoing your St. Patrick's Day and all of the things that you, dear listener, as a uh, responsible citizen are doing. Um, we love you. You're the best. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at PodlenderCast. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash PodlenderCast. You can find us on patreon where you can support the show which is great thank you it makes it possible for us to do all of this it's expensive um at any level you can back for as little as a dollar if you are backing at three dollars a month you have access to our amazing slack channel which has been for all three of us uh just frankly an incredible comfort in the last very scary strange week Mm -hmm. um it's been great to just have people to chat to um and they've been extremely supportive of each other as well sharing resources and information um and thoughts and feelings and just i mean frankly has been incredibly therapeutic so thank you to everybody in there for doing that if you're backing us at the three dollar level you get access to that slack channel at the five dollar level you get bonus episodes including these ken burns things and some other stuff um like janine's corner that like janine's corner janine's corner (laughs) the corner of janine what did the song sound like tell me this this time uh yeah something completely different yeah, well, it was a cold open for one, uh, and that way I, I, had a, I had to end on the theme song where I, I talk about being quarantined and watching streaming videos, and I mean, I can't give it away. You have to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or listen. That's an important thing. Or is this it's, one a no, video? No, it's video. Ooh, yeah, yeah that's right. Video. This one's a video. Yeah. So you can watch me uh, just be horrible about my face hygiene. Yes. <laughs> 
Um, so we want to thank absolutely all of our patrons for making this possible, but in particular, Stella Nutella, Zena Perez, Lola B, Ashlyn Berger, Misty Ojepi, Kayla Regan, Amanda Newton, Jen Lander Drunklin, Trish McCrary, Dr. J, Lori McGuire, Katie Kirshner, Beth Locke, Liz Penniston, Philip Nacko, Heather Moore, Mary the Falling Statue, Amanda Sims, <laughs> Whitney Harrington, Chrissy Sh- oh, I'm sorry, Amanda uh, Whitney Harrington, Chrissy Shively, Maria, Emma Lofald, Samantha Smith, Jenna Polkowski, amazing guest host. Thank you again, thank Jenna. You. Rachel Townsend, Steph Peterson, Tara Lucchino, Catherine Marshall Eastman, Chantel Salters, Mary Lumpkin, Crystal Nanavati, Ann Gibson, Ruth McCormick, Kara Marlowe, Flourish Root, Friday Payton, Kathleen Moniz. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Uh, Hi. And our very dear... Um, uh, Viv Pickles, aka Laura, uh, and unofficial or official, I guess, Slack Den Mom Kiki, the, the Wise. Uh, thank you to all of you so much. Uh, if you are not reading the books and uh, want to not be spoiled on things that could be happening in the future, this is your time to sign off. Bye. If not, hang out for just a second while we make some funny noise for like 10 seconds and then we'll do a little brief in the book. So, mountains of rain and sun. Okay. All right. So real quick about in the books. I have not read this book in a while, but I think I'm right about this and I will check and correct next week if I'm wrong. I think that in the next, the patient that Claire um, has that dies, that the patient she loses, um, is a Scottish guy, does have a serious illness. However, I think it is inoperable cancer or something, like something terminal. Mm -hmm. And he asks her to help him die. And she does. So in the book, it is a story about assisted suicide and her complicated feelings about helping this man end his life on his own terms. Um, And the reason that she is on leave is because people seem to, even though it is like officially written down as accidental, she goes through review board, it's ruled accidental. It seems like maybe people know, so it's suggested that she go on leave, and Ooh. that is what incites Ooh, wow. her to take this time and to go back to Scotland. That's and it also very is after, different. <laughs> it is, and it's also after Frank dies, so then it is all more complicated and all of that. So it is a Scottish guy who reminds her of Jamie, but yeah, it is a much more complicated storyline, um, oh, and I... Wonder if maybe they just didn't want to tackle. I I mean I don't know. They've talked about abortion on the show. It's yeah. surprising to me that they didn't want to tackle this one, which I think is well maybe because she already kind of did that once with the, yeah with column uh, with col- well sorry twice with column and then with the slave at River Run. Oh right. So yeah. maybe maybe it's just because she's uh, we've already seen her do that that they were like, well, what's another way we could get to where we need to go without her mercy killing somebody? I don't know. Oh oh god, you guys, the cat 
she's sitting on a pillow on the couch not very far from me and yeah. she has been like very peacefully loaf breading right and she just face planted her face directly into the pillow and it is so funny and I have to take a picture and send it to you both right now okay I'm sorry I'm, I know we were talking about on. assisted suicide and that is very serious but oh my god oh, oh my no god. I'm ready I've, I just picked up my phone so I can get it immediately yeah I have it I have hold it on hold on I gotta zoom in because I'm also balancing my computer and some other things and these are days of social isolation. <laughs> it's like we all have our phones ready to get. Yeah, there's. I'm having a conversation with you literally right now, but I'm going to look internet. at my phone for another conversation that I can be having with you. <laughs> Jeez, so weird. I'll put this. I'll oh, put this photo cute. in the Slack after the episode airs. Look oh, at her. That's super with cute. her face like straight. Oh my god! Oh my god! Hold on! Hold on! <laughs> <laughs> she's so sweet Sophie's been very sweet to us too because she's excited we're home but she was also kind of sick the other day and you know she's like 20 right so I'm like is this it when we can't leave Aww. our house she's going to die is that Ooh. the way it's going to go no she's cool she's cool Aww. I know um, she's good she's good yeah she's she's right. good anything else in the books no I mean there's more but that's the big thing the, everything else is um I would sort of want to wait and talk mm-hmm. about it and see what they do next. Um, but oh, do you the have anything? Thing was great. Do you have anything from last week? Oh, um, not really. I mean, we sort of talked about it. Just that mm-hmm. in the books, the um, the attitude towards the way that Roger handles that is better. Okay. Um, I think if memory serves, Jamie is not quite so critical mm-hmm. of what he does. So um, because again, I think it like. As Roger says, like, he had to prevent him from getting killed. So, like, if he locked him up, then that's the best way to have him not be tarred and feathered, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they wanted to fucking murder him, Mm -hmm. and they were shooting at everyone. So Roger had to do what he could do to defuse the situation. So, anyway, I think think he did. I think you did good, Roger. You did good, Roger. You did good. All right. That, uh, obviously, anyway. I don't know anything from in the book, so thanks. I, uh, that really <laughs> would make it completely different if Claire had, yeah. like, so in the yeah. when she when she helped him die, did she give him penicillin because she knew he was allergic? I don't remember. I think it was the uh, like extra morphine. I don't think penicillin had mm, anything mm-hmm. to do with it uh, because the also the making of penicillin comes later in the books than right. it does in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was just like extra morphine and it came down as accidental or negligence or something and not as though she helped him to end his life but he definitely mm-hmm. asked her because he didn't want to be in pain anymore and um and i always really appreciated if i'm remembering this correctly that she's part of the reason that she's willing to um, go out on a limb and risk her career for this guy is because he does remind her of Jamie and mm-hmm. um, I've always thought of that as maybe a potential piece of foreshadowing. Uh, so mm. we'll see. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of maybe too much morphine, I want to let you guys know that I watched Knives Out last night. <laughs> Isn't it That's so good? So it's good. so fun. So, good. so anyone who's still listening, if you have not watched Knives Out and you find yourself bored and want just fun, like clue style fun. Just fucking watch it. It's great. God, it so Julie, great. I have to tell you, it's 
even better the second time. Don't watch it again right away. Obviously, no. I know you don't love watching things to begin with, mm-hmm. but give it a couple months, and the next time you're like, I just want to have some fun, put it on again because you will notice a whole bunch of stuff that you didn't notice the first time. It's I one will of those. Say it's great. Afterwards to Neil, I did mention that I thought one of the characters got a straight shaft, but then I, I, I won't say who because I don't want to spoil anything for anyone. But then Neil was like, but wait, what about this and this and this? And I was like, oh, yes, of course they were an asshole, too. But it seems like maybe they were less of an asshole than the other assholes. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to talk about it mm-hmm. off mic because now I don't off know what to think. Off mic. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you guys, All watch right. Knives Out. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. good. Watch Knives Out since you can't watch sports. Yeah. Or watch Ken Burns Baseball because you can't watch sports. Because <laughs> um, that's what we'll be doing. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, reminder to you two, don't close the browser window. Don't close it. I'm going to hit stop now. Uh, Bye. 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 Bye.